Good afternoon and welcome to Revelation chapter 13. Uh, we're moving quite quickly through the, the book of Revelation, so hopefully you're enjoying it. Hopefully you're learning something. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed researching it to this level and to this detail, but tonight we're going to do things a little differently. We are getting into the chapter that speaks about the Antichrist, so I thought we'd start off with a few words about the characteristics of the Antichrist, and then we would move over into chapter 13. So if you'll bear with us, we will start with the characteristics of the Antichrist. But first, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity again to come into your house to worship, to praise, to honor your name. Lord, we ask that you'll anoint my lips as I endeavor to bring forth your message and that you'll anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. Lord, for those that are listening, for those that will be listening, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you'll move and touch. Lord, as only you can, in Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen. The first thing about the Antichrist is he's a diplomat. He'll be a head of an organization, an economist. In Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, it says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Verse 25 Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince shall be seven weeks, three score and two weeks. The street shall be built again in the wall, even in troubles times. Verse 26, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and to the end of the war desolations are determined. Verse 27, And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblations to cease, and for the overspreading the abominations he shall make it desolate, even unto the consumption, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So he's going to be a diplomat. He's going to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness. Commandment to restore and to rebuild Jerusalem. And the Messiah shall be cut off. He's going to be a military strategist. Daniel 8 and 24. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper in practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. Daniel 11 and 38, but in his estate shall he honor the God of forces, and a God whom his fathers knew not shall he honor with gold and silver and with precious stones and pleasant things. So his power shall be mighty. He will be a military strategist. He's going to be a visionary from Daniel 7 and verse 8. And I considered the horns. Behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things. Daniel 7 and 20. And the ten horns that were in his head and of the other which came up and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. So he's going to have eyes like the eyes of man and a mouth speaking great things. He's going to be a great orator. Daniel 7 and 11. I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to burning flame. Daniel 7 and 25, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. A persecutor or a lawyer Daniel 7 and 21, and behold, the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. Daniel 7 and 25, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws 
and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times in the dividing of time. Second Thessalonians 2 and 8 and verse 9, And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders. These are the characteristics of the Antichrist. He's going to have fierce facial features, a spiritualist even. And the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. So he's going to be a, a portrayer, I guess you could say, of the occult. He's going to be powerful. Daniel 8 and verse 24, and his power shall be mighty, but not his own power. He shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper and practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. Revelations 13, verses 2 through 4, and the beast which I saw was likened to a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority. And I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? He's going to be deceitful. Daniel 8 and 25, And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. Second Thessalonians 2, verses 9 through 10, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all the deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. He's going to be full of flattery. Daniel 11.34 tells us, Now when they shall fall, they shall be open with a little help, but many shall cleave to them with flatteries. He regards not the God of his fathers. Daniel 11 and 37, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. He's going to be a homosexual. Daniel 11 and 37, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself above all. Revelations 11 and 8, And their dead bodies shall be like the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. Daniel 7 and 20, And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. And fellows means feminine or an associate in that case, if you go back and look at the original wording. So the Antichrist, he may be on the scene even as we speak, but he's going to be a diplomat. He's going to head an organization or a country. He's going to be an economist. He's going to be a military strategist. He's going to be a visionary. He's going to be a great orator. He's going to be a persecutor or a lawyer. He's going to have fierce features, facial features and, and a spiritualist. He's going to be powerful. He's going to be deceitful. He's going to be flattery. He's going to regard not the God of his fathers. And he's going to be a homosexual. So if you can see those characteristics, we don't know who the Antichrist is, but we understand what he is now somewhat. And when we see him stand up, we will understand more because we understand what the scriptures are telling us. You look like you've got a question. Thank you. <laughs> Chapter 13. We started with the characteristics of the Antichrist because... I wanted to give you a little bit of a background to what chapter 13 is. And some of what we've read already is from chapter 13, but we're going to go through it in a little bit more detail. Now, before I go any further, the next two weeks you get a break. The next two weeks we will not have Revelation Bible study. 
Uh, next week I am going to be out of town, and the following week I don't think you want to interrupt your Thanksgiving dinner uh, to listen to me talk about Revelation, so we're going to give you the next two weeks off. But we'll start back with wherever we finish. If we don't get through with chapter 13, we'll finish chapter 13 that following week after Thanksgiving, and if we're through, we will start in chapter 14. Chapter 13, verse 1 says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Now as John stood on the seashore, he saw a beast coming out of the sea. This is a beast coming out of the, is this the beast that's coming out of the literal sea? Well, let's investigate that a little. And reading a Revelation in 17, verse 15 says, And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. So we, we jump ahead a little bit in Revelation to understand what this is talking about. The sea represents peoples, multitudes, nations and tongues it's not the literal sea he is coming out of the mass he's coming out of the people and because he's he's saying it this way if this was a representation of israel he would have said israel more than likely so what he's trying to tell us here and and most everybody's belief is that the antichrist this beast that comes rising up out of the sea, he's coming up out of the multitude of people. He's coming out of the Gentiles. He's coming out of the other countries. And not every country, of course, but out of the mass of people, he will rise up and he will be a leader among those people. God would have used, or had John to use a symbol representing Israel, much like the Lamb or the lady that we just studied about just a few chapters ago that gave birth that was in the air, that was representing Israel. But here he uses a symbol that represents the Gentiles or the rest of the world. Revelation talks about the different languages, so this is the Gentile nations. The beast will come out of the Gentiles. The beast will not be Jewish. Now, he may have some Jewish blood. I'm not saying that, and he will be um, known to the world, but he's not Jewish. He is a Gentile. Most people believe he's going to be Arabian or somewhere in the Middle Eastern portion. Nothing in the scriptures says that right yet, so we will hold that thought for just a little while. The seven heads and ten horns with the ten crowns represents nations and empires. But can we determine with clarity and for a definite assurance what countries that they're talking about? Daniel 7, verses 7 and 8. And after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth that devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that was before it. And it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. Revelation 13 and 3 says, And I saw one of the heads as if it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. Revelation 17 and 34, or excuse me, 17, 3 through 4. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet-colored and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of fornication. Revelation seventeen seven through 9. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carrieth her, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast that thou sawest was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life 
from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was, is not, and yet is. And here is the mind which hath wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. I will call your attention to the verse we just read, 17 verse 9. Seven heads are seven mountains. Rome is literally built on seven hills or seven small mountains. This is why most will tell you that seven heads is the Roman government. The ten horns and crowns are the leaders of the Roman Empire. And the beast here in Revelation is the same as the little horn in Daniel, which will be a world leader. But what are the three horns that is mentioned in Daniel? This world leader, our future Antichrist, or the little horn, will replace the three horns. And we're going to talk about those three horns in just a little bit. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Now that's kind of a weird looking animal. We've talked about him before, but here's one that says he looks like a leopard, has the body of a leopard, has the feet as the bear, and the mouth as the mouth of a lion. Now that's a kind of a scary picture. Those are the three horns. Let's look at how John describes the beast. As a leopard with the feet of a bear and the mouth of a lion. That's an interesting description until you get into the, to the nitty gritty and you look at what each one represents. We have the benefit of history. We can look at the symbolism. Keeping in mind that this is Roman beast will replace three countries. Looking at the history of Rome, we know that Rome was powerful and displaced many other empires, however, three really comes to mind. The bald eagle, which represents America. So, you know, you look at the bald eagle, you see America. So let's look at these powerful animals to look at which empires that they might represent. The leopard. It represented Greece. The leopard in Greek culture represented their god Dionysus. Rome defeated Greece completely in 146 B.C. Revelation 7 and 6. After this I beheld and lo another like a leopard which had upon his back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads and dominion was given to it. The bear represented Medo-Persian. The characteristics of the bear killing by sheer force, blood force trauma... This kingdom was made up of the Medes and the Persians. This kingdom was overthrown by the Persians. The Medo-Persians was overthrown completely by the Persians, which then overthrew was overthrown by Rome or Julia or excuse me, Alexander the Great in 330 BC. So we've got Greece that was overthrown by Rome. Now we've got the Persians that was overthrown. Daniel 7 and 5, Behold another beast, a second, like to a bear, raised up itself on one side and had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said, Thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. It was raised up on one side because one side of that dual country, if you will, or that dual empire, the Medes and the Persians, the Persians rose up and became stronger than the Medes and the Persians and overthrew everybody. And we named our cat after him, Cyrus the Great. That was the first Persian king. <coughs> See, you get a history lesson when I'm up here. And the lion. The lion represents Babylon empire. The lion represents Babylon and the god Ishtar. This empire was defeated by the Assyrians in 539 BC. The first was like a lion had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. The dragon Satan gives his beast his power and this beast is the Antichrist. We see that the beast or the Antichrist is going to come from the Gentiles and most will tell you he's going to be some 
form of Rome or some form of that of that area. That's up to you to decide. It does point that way. Now, is he avail is he around right now? And yes, it is a he. So you ladies are free from this one. Okay? It's us guys that has to watch ourselves. Is he around? There is one individual, honestly, that I've been watching closely that fulfills all of the characteristics of the Antichrist. Is he the Antichrist? I'm not saying that. I'm saying he fulfills the characteristics of the Antichrist except for one thing, the wound. We read earlier in the scriptures about the wound and he re and he re comes back to life basically or he's healed miraculously from one of the wounds. And we talk about this in the next verse. The guy that I'm talking about He's not physically been wounded. Politically, he was wounded, but physically, he wasn't wounded. And I saw one of his heads, verse 3, saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. It's going to be a magnificent thing what happens, and we're going to see it. So is this a physical uh, problem? Does he get physically injured and nearly dies and comes back? Is it a political wound that he returns valiantly to the political scene? Is it something else? The Bible's really not clear on what that wound is. We just know that his his one of his heads was wounded and he almost dies either politically or physically, emotionally, spiritually. But he was healed, and the world wonders after the beast. There's a lot of speculation regarding what the wounds to death is. Is this a physical wound or injury, or is this a political? There is speculation that the pagan Roman Empire that was defeated by the Christian Roman Empire will rise back up. Which, if the Roman pagan empire revives, this would be a miracle and would be a political healing. Others believe that the Antichrist is physically injured, and we believe that from Revelation 13, verse 14, which we get to in just a little bit, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. So I will leave it to you. Is it a physical wound? Is it a political wound? He comes back, okay, from almost dead. Satan can and could heal someone from a grievous injury, and a lot of people believe that this is exactly what happens here. The Antichrist is given over completely to Satan and his plans. Genesis, going all the way back to Genesis 3, Verse 15, and I shall put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. When Christ died on the cross and rose three days later, he gave Satan, who had fought the true righteousness and holy living, he gave him a death blow. However, this wound was somewhat healed. In the end, there will be a great falling away from the right living or righteousness, but the result is the same, death and destruction of Satan in his way of life. Satan doesn't have the power to bring somebody back from dead. Christ does. Satan doesn't. Satan does have the power to heal someone. We don't like to think that Satan's got a lot of power, but Satan's got a lot of power. And he's got the power that we give him. But he's got the power that God gives him and we allow it to operate in our lives. Let me put it that way. So Satan's got a lot of power, but he doesn't have the power to bring someone back from death. That's the reason why he was wounded to death. He hadn't died yet completely, but Satan healed him. He basically sold his soul for a healing. Whether it's a political healing or it's a physical healing, the Antichrist gives himself totally and completely over to Satan because he has been healed. And they worshiped the dragon, verse 4, 
They worshiped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, the dragon being Satan, the beast being the Antichrist. And they worshiped the beast saying, who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? The people worshiped Satan because he gave power to the Antichrist. They worship the Antichrist because of the power he displays, because he is a smooth talker and he is very believable because of the characteristics of the Antichrist. He will manipulate multiple people into following him. And we read those characteristics earlier. And those are not Robert's words. Those are the words from the scripture. That's how God's word describes the Antichrist. And I just, I guess you could say I cherry pick, but I chose some of the verses that talks about the Antichrist. There are a lot more that speaks of the Antichrist than what I've read already tonight. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him to continue for 40 and two months. One of the characteristics of the Antichrist is an eloquent and a captivating speaker. With his talk, he will be able to sway individuals to his side. Just as Hitler was able to speak to the people of Germany and get them to follow him, the Antichrist will be able to do this and more. Oftentimes, it is called the gift of gab. It has been said that President Kennedy, now I'm not saying President Kennedy was the Antichrist, don't take what I'm saying here, but it was often said that President Kennedy realized as he scanned the faces of the crowd in Berlin, he realized that he had the gift of gab. However, President Kennedy did not blaspheme such as the Antichrist will for three and a half years or 40 and two months. It is said that President Kennedy, when he realized that he had the gift of gab standing there, he literally started backing off some of his uh, emotions and some of his passions. And his speeches didn't or wasn't as passionate after that as they were at that moment and before. And you can go back and you can literally see and hear that he has somewhat pulled back from his passion in his speak. He literally told some of his uh, uh, assistants that was with him that day, if I had asked them to march onto Berlin, they would have. I fully feel like they would have marched mm -hmm. onto Berlin if I'd asked them to do it. So he started backing off of his speech. We hear another good man, Martin Luther King Jr., the, the I Have a Dream speech is most famous, but any of them, really, he, he literally could captivate you and get you to do what you wanted to do, what he wanted you to do. Malcolm X, another good one. Winston Churchill wasn't that much of a speaker, but you could see the passion in his life, and you could hear it in his words. He just wasn't much of a speaker in, in reality. And unfortunately, in today's world, in today's elections, we don't have many good speakers. We don't, unfortunately. Or maybe that's fortunate. There is one. There is one very good speaker out there. He holds a secretary's position. He does not hold a, an elected cabinet or elected position as of right now. That I've heard. And I, I listen to the speeches, but I listen to see how they're delivering the speeches. Some more than probably I listen to what they're saying. We've not had a real good speaker as a president for multiple years. Ronald Reagan was probably our last great speaker. Jimmy Carter wasn't. He'd put you to sleep. I think Tip O'Neill, the Speaker of the House, did go to sleep on him a couple of times. President, both President Bushes, neither one of those could speak well. President Obama could speak well most of the time, but listen to how he speaks. He has to say at least uh about 15 times in every sentence. That turns me off. President Biden, President Trump, definitely not. We've not had a real good speaker except Ronald Reagan. That was the last one. Kennedy was before him. That's Robert's opinion. That didn't cost you anything. Verse 6, and he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. And he opened his mouth and blasphemed against God, his name, and his tabernacle. So the temple is built at this time. 
You can't blaspheme a tabernacle if it's not a physical thing. So somewhere in the the tribulation period, the temple is built, rebuilt. Let me put it that way. It's rebuilt. They've got all of the stuff cut, they tell me. All of the rocks are cut, pretty pretty much numbered. So they know how to put them together. All of the outfits that the high priest wears is is made. The breastplate is made. They've got everything in place for the rebuilding of the temple. It's just a matter of time. The Antichrist, according to his title, is everything anti from Christ. Everything God has given us, Satan gives us cheap counterfeit. He speaks blasphemies and lies against God, Jesus, the Holy Ghost. He will, with his talk, move people into his camp or onto his side. They say that uh, at the Alamo during the War of Independence for Texas, that Colonel Travis drew a line in the sand and stood there and told him, said, everybody that wants to leave can leave. You stay on that side. But everybody that wants to stay and fight, cross the line. Every man crossed the line. They, they've said that. Now, whether or not that's true, I don't know. But, every, you know, we all have our lines. We literally or maybe figuratively draw in the, uh, in the sand, and we won't cross them. But we're going to come. People are going to come to this point in the tribulation, and they're going to have to decide, are they going to fight? the Antichrist, or are they going to join the Antichrist? Hopefully, none of us will be here to see that. Verse 7, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations. He, the Antichrist, will make war against the saints and will attempt to overthrow them. He will succeed in killing many, but he will not prevail. Even though his army is huge, he will not succeed in killing all of the Christians. God will continue to protect his people. And I'm not talking about, I believe at this time, when all of this takes place, the church has been raptured. The church is not here. The Christians are not here, but there's 144,000 Jewish people that has been sealed. They've went out and they've witnessed and they've testified. And the two witnesses have been standing on the streets and they're there and they've witnessed and they've testified. There are people coming to know the Lord even during this time. That's the Christians that they're going to be fighting is those people that have come to know the Lord during the tribulation. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. The non-Christians will follow the Antichrist and worship him and Satan. The individuals whose name is not written in the Lamb's book of life will fall victim of his manipulative ways. And if they do not repent, they will spend eternity in the lake of fire with Satan, the Antichrist, death, hell, and grave. If any man have an ear, let him hear. Those that are alive need to listen and we need to pay attention. Often if we would listen, we would not get into the trouble that we do. There's a push to have a universal church where all individuals, no matter who they follow and worship, can come and worship as they please. However, we see in the previous verses that the universal church All will worship is Satan in a satanic way and will the universal church is of a hell origin. It is from the gates of hell. Be careful who you follow. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful when people get up and talk about universal love and peace. There's not going to be peace on this earth until Christ sets up his kingdom. There will always be wars and rumors of wars. There will always be hatred. There will always be prejudice. There will always be bigotry. I'm not not saying that it's right. 
I'm just saying it always will. So be careful who you follow because there are people out there right now that saying that they can abolish all of this and we can have this universal love. God is love. And unless we follow Christ, we are not going to know love. We're not going to be loved the way we could be loved and we're not going to love the way we can love. Be careful who you follow and who you listen to. He's going to come on the stage and he's going to say, peace be still, and the world's going to stop and they're going to say, wow, this guy knows what he's talking about. But listen to what he's saying as much as how he is saying it. And perhaps you won't get caught up in the mat. There was an individual, and as a matter of fact, a good friend of uh, my wife and I's, Personally, he was the best speaker I'd ever heard. I'd sat and I'd listened to this man, and he was the best speaker. And I am by no means saying he was the Antichrist because he wasn't. He was very much about Jesus. But he could talk and he could get a crowd to do whatever he wanted them to do when he wanted them to do it. First time I ever heard him speak, and Lynn's heard him a lot more than I did, but he had the people up on their feet clapping their hands and stomping their feet and shouting and hollering in a church. And it wasn't a church service. We was just meeting in a church building. And he had the people, oh, they would have tore down the church if they, he had asked them to literally, I believe, that night. And even I was on my feet and I went, wait a minute, what am I doing? And later I got to talking to him about it and he told me, he said, oh, man, I can't speak. I went, yeah, right. You have me on my feet, and I usually don't listen to people. But he was an excellent speaker, so be careful. Don't get caught up in the emotions, because a lot of these are going to be caught up in the emotions. You can't tell me that everybody that made it to the the rallies that Adolf Hitler threw was all 100% when they walked into the rally, all 100% Hitler. But most of them, when they left the rally, was 100% Hitler. Because they got caught up in the emotion. They got caught up in the wave. And, and they just followed suit. And, oh, it was wonderful what he was saying. Because he was talking about patriotism and, and bringing back the glory days of Germany. And he was appealing to their sense of patriotic pride. And he was appealing to their sense of family and he was appealing to their sense of honor and duty. And people wanted to hear that. Now, I don't know what the Antichrist is going to come out and say, but I have got a good idea that he's going to come out and talk about the economy and how he's going to fix the economy because the economy is going to be shot worldwide. And he's going to talk about how he's going to bring the families back together. And, oh, it's going to be wonderful to be able to sit down at the table with your brother and your sister and your children, your wife, your husband. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. And he's going to all be about the family. And he's going to be all about, you know, we're going to have this universal love. We're going to do away with crime. Careful of people that talk like that because they're not God and they can't do it. He that leadeth into captivity shall go into captivity. He that killeth with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. For every action there is an opposite and equal reaction. The Antichrist will have a war against the remaining Christians, but this is his ultimate downfall. He and his army will be killed or taken hostage, taken in captivity, because God protects his people. Some of the Christians will be killed, but God will protect the whole, and the Christians will ultimately win. He that lives by the sword dies by the sword. And I beheld another beast. Oh, goodness. Another one? Here's, the, here's an interesting character of Revelation. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. He has the appearance of a lamb, but he has the voice of Satan. He's going to come looking like a Christian, but he's going to be speaking another language. He's going to be speaking the language of hell. 
Where the first beast comes out of the sea, this beast comes from the land. This does not necessarily mean that this beast is from Israel. It just means that this beast, the false prophet, is a complement to the first beast, and together the two beasts makes for an interesting bear. <coughs> he has the horns of a lamb but speaks like the dragon, meaning he has a religious background. But he is not Christian. He will only speak of things that the people want to hear. Second Timothy 3 or chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away from their away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. We're seeing it happen today. Oh, I can fix this problem. No, you can't. You can't. Oh, we're going to have world peace. No, we're not. It's not going to happen. And we've got to understand that. But this guy's going to come out on the stage and he's going to be a religious leader. The world's got their own opinion as to who this guy is. And yes, it, by the way, it's another guy. So you ladies are out of the picture on this one too. I'm not going to get into speculation as to who this guy is, but he's going to be the head of the world church. He's going to be the head of the universal church that we've been talking about all afternoon. He's going to be the guy that stands out and says, let's listen to the beast because he knows what he's talking about. He's going to be the guy that stands at the podium and says, this is what we're going to do. When the beast tells us to stand, we're going to stand, okay? When the beast tells us to sit, we're going to sit, okay? But he's not going to call him a beast, of course not. He's going to call him the revered leader of the whole world. He's going to be magnificent. And this guy's going to be able to talk just as good as the Antichrist can. And he's going to have just enough truth in there. He's going to pepper his lies with just enough truth to make it sound like it's believable. Currently as a whole, the church is starting to slip further from the truth. But in the end, there will be a great falling away and people will only want to hear the pleasing thing. Well, God is love, and he's not going to condemn you to hell because God is love. And yes, I am making fun of some of the preachers out there. And if that's wrong, I'm sorry, but that's just the way it is. We've got to understand that there is a way to live and a way not to live. And these people are telling us that any way is the way to live, as long as you feel good about it. It's not the, that's not the truth. Yes, God is a God of love, but he is also a God of wrath, and he chastises those he loves. You mean God whips us? Yes. If you've never been whipped by God, you don't want to be. But I promise you, if you've been a Christian any length of time, you've been whipped by God. So there is going to be a right standard of living. And we've got to understand that that right standard is what's written in the Bible. And we've got to read the Bible for ourselves to understand what Satan is trying to manipulate. And be sure you read the right Bible, okay? There's some versions out there that's just not worth it. I won't get into that, but stay with the King James. Stay with the North American Standard uh, Bible. Stay with the New English Test uh, Translation. Those are three really good ones. Stay away from the message. I'm just going to go ahead and say it out loud. Stay away from the message. It's worthless. Oh, it was written, so it's a paraphrase. It's a, it's a concise form. It's confusing, and it doesn't teach you anything because they take out a lot of the good stuff. They take out that God is God of wrath. Ask Korah. He was the one that led the revolt against Moses and Aaron, and the ground opened up and swallowed him. Ask his family if God's not got a God of, it's not got a little bit of an anger. Ask him about it. Ask those that was burned by fire because of the way they was living their life. Ask those families if God doesn't have a little bit of an anger. And I'm not saying he's got an anger problem. I'm saying he's got a little bit of anger. He is righteously indignant towards stupidity and ungodliness. He told us that he would not, he was a jealous God. He didn't want any other gods before him. 
So we've got to understand there's a right way and a wrong way. This prophet, this false prophet, this world leader is going to come up and he's not going to teach us about Jesus. He's going to teach us about the Antichrist. He's going to promote the Antichrist. He's going to put the Antichrist up on a pedestal. He's going to be all about the Antichrist. He's not going to to tell you anything about Jesus. Jim Jones, 1970s, went to Guyana and killed 2,000, I think it was 2,000 some odd people with Kool-Aid. He shot himself or had someone to shoot him. But he literally stood up in a service one day with the Bible and he held it up and he said, the problem with you people is you're trying to listen and read this. Holding up the Holy Bible instead of trying to, instead of listening to me. Right then, his congregation should have cleared the floor and should have walked out, but they didn't. They followed him all the way to the jungles, Guyana, and they most of them did not come home. Verse 12, And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causeth the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. The main job of the false prophet will be to direct people's attention and adoration to the Antichrist. He will be around having what appears to be great power, but very limited power, to help deceive the humans that are on the earth at the time. There has always been false prophets in Antichrist. However, they have been a prelude to these two men. Currently, a major religion is promoted that the Jewish religion, the Islamic religion, and the Protestant religion can become one religious organization, the world church. It's already out there. I'm not going to tell you what that religion is, but it's over in Rome. And the leader of this religion wears a big hat, literally big, huge hat. But he promotes a world religion, and he's trying. He just met with the Islams, uh, some of their clergy. Just recently, they're trying to build a world religion. Careful who you listen to. But I'm not going to tell you what that religion is. I'm just going to tell you that it's located in Rome. I'll leave it to you to figure out the rest. And, he do, and that's not falsehood. That's not telling you a lie. That's the honest truth. And it's been out there on the news since... The last 10 to 15 years, it's been talked about that there's going to be a world religion and this individual is wanting to head it up. Verse 13, and he doeth great wonders so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. The false prophet will have limited powers. These powers given to him from Satan will not be unlimited, but he will not, only, he will not be able to raise the dead. But he will be able to do a lot, including calling fire from heaven. Or at least he will appear to call fire down from heaven. Go back with me, and this is not in my notes, but go back with me to the Exodus. When Moses struck, put his rod out over the waters and turned it to blood, the magicians, it says, of Egypt was able to do the same. When he took the sand and made it into lice, they were able to do that. They were able to create some of the same issues or same miracles that Moses did, the magicians were able to. They took and threw down Aaron's rod and it became a snake. Well, they threw down their rods and it became snakes too. The difference was Aaron's rod ate theirs. This is what the scripture tells us. Go back and read it from, from the book of Exodus or and see for yourself, it's there. He threw down his stick, turned into a snake. They threw down their sticks, turned into a snake. His ate theirs. Aaron reached down and grabbed it and picked it back up, and it became a stick again. Now, they tell me there's a snake in Egypt that if you put enough pressure on the back of its head, that it gets stiff as a stick. And they say that that's probably what the Egyptians was carrying. Aaron's was a stick. We know that because later on it buds and it becomes, it has the fruit of almond. It was an almond stick. 
So we know that his was actually wood. But they say that there is a snake. I've read this before and heard it by others. That if you put enough pressure on the back of its head, it becomes really stiff and becomes like a stick. They think the magicians was carrying those those snakes. How would you like to be that individual? Everybody have to get your snake and make sure you had enough pressure on the back of its head to keep it stiff. Yeah, no, I am. I like snakes. I think they're cool, but I'm not going to be carrying around one and have to keep pressure on the back of its head. That's not going to happen. The false prophet will have very limited powers. And he will, as the scripture says, call fire down from heaven. Or it'll give the appearance that he's calling fire down from heaven. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth, verse 14, by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Say unto them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. The false prophet will commission an image or a statue of the Antichrist to be placed in the temple that is to be built in Jerusalem in the final days. One of the justifications for this image and for the worship of this image is that the Antichrist will recover from what should have been a fatal wound. However, he lives and the false prophet convinces the people that he, the Antichrist, would not be there if, it was, if he wasn't God. Was this one physical or political? We are not sure, but either way, the false prophet convinces people that he is there because he is God in the flesh. Now, when you really get into the details of this, he stands in the temple and he declares himself God. But he also declares himself Muhammad. And he also declares himself Buddha. And he also declares every little G-God out there, he's going to declare himself so that there is no confusion. He's going to be the God of gods and the Lord of lords. Little G, little G, little L, little L. He's going to be, he's going to declare himself everybody's God. And people are going to say, oh, wow, here he is. He's here. Jesus said, if they say God's in the desert, don't go to the desert. If they say Christ is in the mountains, don't go to the mountains. Understand what he's saying. There's going to be people out there. There's a guy in Florida right now that thinks he's God and Satan. This dude is really messed up. David Koresh thought he was Jesus. Applewhite, I think that was his name from the heaven's gate, said he was Jesus, or it was an angel. Jim Jones said he was God. There's been all kinds of people all through the years that said that they were God. So understand who God is and what he's going to be and who he is so that you don't get deceived by these nuts that are out there. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. The false prophet does not have the power to bring back to life, but he does apparently, he can cause the graven image of the Antichrist in the temple the ability to speak. I've always thought maybe it was a robot. That's what I've always thought here, that the the carving, it had a, it had a microphone or it had a speaker in it and and. They had a recorded message. This speaking image shall further cause others to sin and follow the Antichrist. And after all, the image can speak, so it must be godly. And the one that the image represents must also be God. That's the thought process. Careful that you don't get caught up in this. Even if we're not here during this time, we can get caught up in following the wrong message. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. The mark of the beast. What is it exactly? No one currently knows exactly what it is. However, some will say it's a chip implanted in your hand or in your forehead. Perhaps that's the case. Perhaps it's a radio frequency identification device, an RFID. Chip. 
implanted in the hands of the non-Christians that once read will allow them to trade for goods. Perhaps it's a tattoo that tells the merchants and the others that sells a good or service that the wearer of the tattoo can do business. We know it. We've heard it all of our lives. It's called the mark of the beast. We know the number, 666, and we, we speak about that here in a minute. But what is the mark of the beast? It's going to be something that gives us the ability to buy and sell. If you do not have the mark of the beast, you will not be able to buy or sell. Remember a few chapters back, we talked about the mark of God. He was going to put a mark in your forehead to seal you. Here we have the mark of the beast. This is the counterfeit of the mark of God. So we're going to have this counterfeit that allows us to buy and sell. And no man might buy or sell, verse 17, save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Only the ones that has the mark on their hand or forehead can buy or sell, including buying food for themselves and for their families. It may start innocently enough a way to locate missing people. Your, perhaps your medical records will be downloaded onto this mark. And it can be read in times of emergency. Perhaps a method to prevent identity theft but it will quickly morph into a diabolical and sinister reason that it was created for, knowing who was Jesus's and who wasn't. And if you're Jesus, you're not going to have this mark. If you are not Jesus, you're going to readily accept this mark. Again, we don't understand completely, no one does, what the mark of the beast is. We know that the mark of the beast is 666. But not everybody's going to have that 666 emblazoned on their forehead or on their hand. There's a reason why it was 666. Here's the wisdom. Let him that hath the understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man. And his number is 603 score and 6. 666. 666. Why 666? In John's day, the meanest individual he knew of was Nero. And it is true that if you spell Nero's name in Hebrew and then add up the number equivalents to that spelling, it equals 666. That's, that's common knowledge. This does not mean, though, that Nero was the Antichrist of end times. He was the Antichrist of his day in John's day, but he's not the Antichrist to come. God's number is seven. It represents wholeness, completeness, and perfection. The mark of the beast, 666, represents undone, uncleanliness, and imperfection. The ones, most of the people left on earth will accept this mark because they are not perfect. They are hungry. They are in direct disobedience to God. John was telling us that the Antichrist of the end will be much worse than Nero of his day. But Nero will be the role model for the future Antichrist. We're not all going to have the number. Christians should never have the number 666 on them. But they will have a mark on their right hand or they'll have a mark on their forehead. And I actually believe the God seals your left hand or your forehead. I believe is correct. I'd have to go back and look, but I think it's the left hand. And the reason is because most people say your left is closer to your heart. But you're going to have a mark on your right hand or you're going to have a mark on your forehead. Is it a chip? Is it a tattoo? Is it both? Is it something else? It's going to be something visible. There's going to be some visible, tangible evidence that you've got the mark because I could walk into a little country store that doesn't have the equipment to read a chip and they are still not going to be able to serve me because they are going to know that I don't have the mark on me. So it's going to be a visible mark of some description. It may be a wrist bracelet. It may be a, a neck. I don't know, okay? I don't know. But I do know that it is very real, and it is going to be, and, and it's going to be the mark of the Antichrist, which is 666. We are not going to have the number 666. That would get confusing. A million or a billion people with the number 666. 
Well, which one are you? Well, I'm 1,666. No, that's not the way it's going to work. We're going to have the mark of the beast, and the mark of his number is 666. He's going to be the modern day or the future Nero. That makes sense. It's, it's really interesting when you get into it and you start looking at it. You're going to, I have a social security number. You have a social security number. Everybody's got, when they first came out, guess what? That was the mark of the beast. Oh my gosh, you shouldn't have a social security number. When, we, when I started at the power plant, we did not have anything but a security badge. But then they added some stuff, and we had to have our hands measured. Oh, that's the mark of the beast. You need to quit. And yes, it was the right hand that you had to have your hand measured. When I broke my right hand, I had to go have my left hand upside down measured. Because the shape and the size of your hand is as identical, is as unique to you as your fingerprint is. Oh, by the way, my fingerprints are in, you know, government because, well, I worked at a power plant, a nuclear power plant. So they come in and they took my fingerprints. Oh, my gosh, that's the mark of the beast. It's not. It isn't. They now have eye retina scans at some of the nukes. Oh, that's the mark of the beast. No, it's not. It's going to be something that when I walk into a store or a place of a business, I will be recognizable as a follower of the Antichrist. Now, I could make a joke here, and people would think that I was saying Donald Trump was the Antichrist. He is not, okay? But we people recognize Donald Trump fans because a lot of them wears the MAGA hat, MAGA hats. Oh my gosh, you're a follower of Donald Trump. It's going to be something that visible. It's going to be something that recognizable. They tell me that some organizations has a secret handshake. Maybe this will have a secret handshake and, and they will ask you to shake their hands and, oh, my goodness, that's the reason why it's the right hand. I don't know, but there's going to be something visible and tangible so that you can buy and sell. I believe it'll be a tattoo. I think that's part of it. I think it may be a chip. Not questioning that. But I think it's going to be a tattoo of some description. There's going to be some sort of a mark. And you say, well, why on the right hand or the forehead? What if you're missing the hand? You'll have it up here. You can't live without your forehead. There's no way. So it's either going to be on your hand or it's going to be on your forehead. That's 666. That's the mark of the beast. It's not all of us is going to have the number 666. It's just like, okay, I'm from Tennessee, so my first three digits of my social security number, because when I was born, they were up to 409. So the first three digits, and I'll go ahead and tell you that, but I won't tell you the rest of it. First three digits of the Tennessee that was born in the mid-60s is 409. Your North Carolina Social Security numbers, your first three digits, if you're born in a certain year, is this number. <gasps> Mark of the beast. A lot of people believe that. No, it's not your Social Security number. It's not your employee ID number. It's not your driver's license number. It's going to be something very visible on you. And you will be tattooed. You will be branded. Some people believe it's going to be a brand. It very well could be. It will be something that you will readily accept so that you can buy and sell. Some people believe, and uh, one of the listeners that just brought it up said uh, that people believe it was the COVID vaccine. Why the COVID vaccine? Why not, you know, some of the other vaccines? Why not the flu shot? Why not the flu vaccine? Why can't it be that? I don't think it's going to be a vaccine. I think people are going to readily accept it because they're going to know that they can't buy or sell. Another individual tells me that it is the, I think he's saying the atom, A-T-U-M snake in Egypt that you put your finger on 
So see, I get comments from people all the time here. But understand that I, I think the rapture is taking place at this time. This is Robert's opinion, okay? I'll tell you this right quick. This is Robert's opinion. I believe the rapture is taking place. I believe those of us that are ready to go has left. We've left the building. These are the individuals that are left on the earth. They're the ones that's being you know, witnessed to by the 144,000 from 12,000 from each of the tribes. I could be wrong. We could be still here. I hope I'm not. I hope that I'm raptured out of here before then. But I very well could be still here. So am I going to take the mark of the beast? Am I going to take that tattoo? Am I going to take that number? That's for you to decide for yourself. But the moment you take it, I don't think you can get saved. The Left Behind series had an individual, they tell me, I never read it, never looked at it, but they tell me that they had individuals that took the mark of the beast so that they could buy for those that didn't take the mark of the beast. Well, I think you've damned yourself to hell at that point. Maybe I'm wrong, but I do believe that you have damned yourself to hell. Robert's opinion. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your many blessings upon our life, Lord, for allowing us the opportunity once again to come to your house to worship, to praise and to honor your name. Lord, we ask that you'll move and that you'll touch, Lord, that you'll continue to bless those that are listening, those that will listen into the future, God. We ask, Lord, that you'll open their eyes of understanding so they can hear and they can understand what's going on in the world around them, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' sweet and holy name we pray. Amen.